closer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. They pull off the last second miracle here at home. You know, get on my back. I'm going to carry you. Kale Fleming. They uh, went a lot farther than what everybody thought they were going to do. Personally, I didn't think the Bears were going to win more than six games this season. The Kale and Jay Show presented to you by World 4.9 WPXN Paxton Rantoul. That's a big deal. I saw your Facebook and Twitter stuff for those of the people that follow us. I'm sure they saw it too. That, that, that's big time. Yeah. It, uh, so for those of you that didn't see anything on the old social media, Jay and I are now on the Stitcher platform, which for those of you that don't know what that is, it's a, basically a podcasting host. Um, they allow you know small market uh, radio, small market podcasters to post all of their uh all of their episodes, audio, anything they want on there, as long as it's approved by them, which ours got approved. Our first episode's up there. So if you want to follow us uh, in a different app where you can be able to lock your phone as opposed to having to play it on any unlocked phone, kill your battery, you can download us on, uh, on Stitcher in your Google Play or the uh, Apple App Stores. It works on both. So that's that's what's nice about it. That's awesome, man. So you can do that. Make sure you download us, uh, like, ra- uh, rate us, subscribe us, review us. Uh, we'll be able to uh, view everything there. So we're making big moves there in the first week. It's only the second episode, but finally got us up on there, though. That was uh, that was a little bit of a, a task, but you know it had to be done, and it got done. So glad that headache's over with. Putting the small town stuff on the map is what I like to hear. Jay, you just uh, alluded to it. How about that Chiefs game? Uh, it's crazy. I mean, how many playoff games have you watched where a team scores on almost every drive of the game? Was that the playoff record or what NFL record where they scored on, what, six straight drives? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. I mean, I guess it's tough saying but as far as the NFL goes back and professional football, but it's got to be up there, if not the record for sure. So we're, uh, we're recording now in the second half of the Seahawks and Packer game. Um, but yeah, no, that, uh, starting off with the chiefs game Patrick Mahomes in the first quarter looked lost. The whole Kansas city chiefs team looks, looked lost. Well, they had 24 points in the, 
in the first quarter there, and then they kind of just turned it around. Yeah, I mean, the Texans came out firing on all cylinders, as we talked about in uh, our earlier episode, you know. Deshaun Watson showing he's no joke, coming out ready to play, along with the entire Texans offensive and defensive units. They put up, what, 24 unanswered? Yeah. And then the, and then the Chiefs turn around and score 28 points in the second quarter. So, just so you know, both of us took the Chiefs in what the game started. I thought that uh, our picks were going to go by the wayside uh, pretty quick, uh, judging by how fast Deshaun Watson was moving up the field in the in the battle of the Ryan Pace Bowl. I keep seeing that yeah. trending on Twitter. That hurts. But, uh, man, Deshaun Watson, he's still a stud. Yeah, same kind of thing. You know, he's just the type of guy that's – Big in production, you know. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't look the prettiest getting done. He scrambles, gets flushed out of the pocket, but he just proves his, his athleticism week in, week out. And, I mean, there's only so much fundamental stuff you can count on, you know. Sometimes players got to make plays, and he's just the kind of guy that at any point in the game, he can explode for something crazy, so. Dabo He's really fun to watch. Dabo Sweeney sure. wasn't kidding when he said that he was the Michael Jordan of football. Yeah, I mean, he's a generational player, if not, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type. I mean, he pretty much has started the, the movement as far as, you know, big-time mobile quarterback. Obviously him, Lamar Jackson. I know Russell Wilson did a little bit of that early in his career. Not that he's not still mobile, but, I mean, you know, a lot of designed runs for guys like that and, they really just kind of fit the mold for the way that professional football is kind of starting to evolve a little bit. The, the Ravens stink again. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I was really nervous for the Ravens. I know we talked about how their run defense was pretty solid. I mean, top 10 in the NFL all year, you know, week in, week out. Pretty solid defensive team, and uh, I really was, man. I, I really thought if Derrick Henry got going, it was going to be a problem for – Baltimore, and, and it obviously was. I mean, Derrick Henry, 195 yards on the ground, a touchdown, threw for a touchdown. They did and the, they, they did it running almost half the plays of the Ravens. I looked at the stats. The Ravens ran like 92 plays, I think, 91 plays. Lamar Jackson threw it 59 times. I mean, and the Titans ran like 51 plays. Yeah, and – they did. They had the same formula, the same uh, scheme that they had against the Patriots. You know, speaking of Derrick Henry, they're going to go in there and they're just going to chew the clock off. Just make it to where Lamar can't get the ball. Yeah, I mean, there was one drive, I think, in that Titans-Ravens game where he carried the ball and ran the same kind of halfback stretch, you know, right outside the tackle. I bet they ran that play six or seven times Yeah, in a row. Yeah, and they could. You know, stop. And you got a guy that runs for, and I, I mean, his average yards per carry were, I mean, upwards of ten yards a carry. I mean, the man was unreal. He was unstoppable. I'm looking. I'm looking at the to, the total stats. Uh, Derrick Henry on, let's see, thirty carries, 195 yards, like you said, and he, that one that he snapped off that was 66 yards when he. Uh, was basically just throwing everybody out of his way. It just shows how big of a physical back he is. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, the initial contact is pretty close to the line of scrimmage. He sheds two guys, makes a cut back upfield in the midst of all of it, and breaks it for 60. I mean, a guy that stands 6'3", 240, 
238, I think it is, like, exactly. Regardless, I mean, you got a guy that's that big running the football. It's a defensive end. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, 6'3", 240, probably runs the 40 and 4'4", four, 4'5". Four, four, <laughs> I mean, he's got the foot speed. He's obviously not going to outrun the DBs and stuff, as we saw. You know, they kind of ran him down towards the latter part of the run. But, I mean, his acceleration's unmatched. His vision, and you know, you got to give the Titans' offensive line credit. You know, they made a couple moves this off season, and they're just firing on all cylinders right now. And that's kind of what we talk about when it comes to postseason for everything. You know, you just got to get hot at the right time, and they're showing that that's uh, one thing that proves to be true. So, how about the EIU faithful? <laughs> I know, right, old Jimmy G. You got to give Jimmy G some love. Same kind of thing. You know, kind of a guy that's looking to earn that respect and we talked a little bit about it on the last episode i mean that's a solid division they play in you know all year long and to play teams like that and come out of that division the way they did and uh i mean it's kind of cool to see the evolution of san fran after the last few years you know they kind of were down a little bit their gm out there decided he was going to work his team around a good defensive line which you don't see a ton you know yeah, he really thought that if he could draft right and make the right moves for a solid defensive line, that would really kind of blossom into a solid front, which they have. He could kind of fill in the pieces around him, and I mean, as we've seen, it's uh, proven to be a pretty successful model thus far. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, 11, 11 for nineteen, one hundred thirty-one yards, one touchdown, and one sack. He got sacked once, twice, twice. I mean, those are really just, good numbers. Yeah, you know, just another thing we talk about efficiency. You know, he doesn't throw it a ton. When he does, he makes good decisions. They you know, usually are pretty solid chunks of yards, and their defense, you know, gives them plenty of opportunities. And, I mean, it's a, just a really well-balanced attack out in San Fran right now. And, I mean, I'm looking for the Niners to make some noise now with the Ravens being out. So, Watching Kyle Juszczyk is really fun. Oh, or, really fun. Watching him full by – is that I mean, his first name? Yeah, I think you're right. Kyle Juszczyk, watching the teams use the fullback is, and actually use it right is just fun to watch. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They talk about the fullback being a dying breed, and then you got a guy like him who comes along and kind of brings some fame back to the name. It's it's kind of cool to see teams take advantage of a, a position like that that's kind of almost went away, you know, as athletic and up, up-tempo and fast-paced as football has kind of become in the last few years. So What were you going to say that's, about – That's fun to see. What were you going to say about George Kittle? I know you're going to go somewhere with that. Yeah, that's just another guy. Uh, kind of came up, you know, out of the woodwork when everyone least expected it. You know, San Fran had a guy like Vernon Davis at tight end for a few years. He was obviously a solid player. Kittle kind of put his nose down, did some work, and uh, here he is getting rewarded and uh, just really honestly fits that mold really well. Good block and tight end for the run and also got some athleticism to go up and get the ball. I just know it, it kind of fed into the whole talk with – production over performance and I know we talked a little bit about Kyle Rudolph you know same way kind of put his nose down early in his career wasn't very flashy mm-hmm. and Kyle Rudolph you know gets a big touchdown in the playoffs and Kittle's kind of a guy that's coming into his own and kind of you know taking over that role knowing that he's one of the guys in San Fran and really embracing it and he's another player I like to watch if anyone gets a chance to watch some videos of him mic'd up I strongly suggest you to do that that's that's good stuff it's it's a lot of fun he's he's a guy who plays with a lot of emotion and and I know we talked about that being a fun thing too. So if you get a chance to look at them George Kittle bike up videos, they're, they're they're a good time. Is Seattle gonna mount a comeback? 
I don't think so. You know, we talked a little bit about it last week with uh, Aaron Rodgers obviously being tough at home. I think it's really hard for anybody to walk in to Lambeau on the frozen tundra and get a win, especially in the postseason. I mean, that place is packed. Uh, the fans own the team, so you know they're going to come out. I mean, it's a very unique situation in Green Bay with the fans having as much a hand as they do in the organization. and It shows, man, you can't really knock the Packers for the amount of support that they have year in, year out, and it also helps to have an offensive coordinator at quarterback, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I was wondering how that was going to work out as soon as they hired LaFleur with the Rodgers and LaFleur combo because – you know, LaFleur being as young as he is, obviously he wants to take control of the team, but Rodgers being the way he is, I knew that was going to be a, 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 a something they were going to have to figure out how to balance all season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Rodgers kind of embraced the challenge a little bit. He's like, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. You know, we're going to give him the respect he's due, but I'm going to help him out where I can, you know. Yeah, let me call audibles. Right, exactly. And I still think that he did a really good job of getting that defense ready to go. You know, a lot of people have had question marks about that Packers secondary early in the year, and they've kind of proved to, you know, be a lot better than everyone thought. And I mean, the whole Packers defense, honestly, you know, after a big loss in Clay Matthews, I know everybody up north there in Cheesehead country was pretty upset about that. But, I mean, guys stepped up, and that's another team that, you know, something crazy could happen. And I don't want to see it, but. Uh, pending, might do the, something dumb too. pending the outcome of this game, right now, if it goes the way it's going to go, even though Seattle just scored, make it 28-17, with what is there, 30-plus seconds left in the third quarter, uh, we're 70, if the Packers hit, we'll be 75% on our picks. I mean, you That's can't, not bad, I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, the, the only one we got wrong, which we were both the same, was the Ravens. Yeah, which is crazy, it seemed like everybody kind of had them picked. Yeah, and, uh, to see them go down, that was. How can you pick against the Ravens? Now I'm just I'm just here for the uh, everybody that was on hopped on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon late, and is now is going to hop off and be slandering him all week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, he's catching a lot of grief over the performance, but I saw a picture on Twitter. They uh, t- tweeted out a little comparison. It was like a before and after kind of scenario. They had Lamar Jackson regular season and it was a picture of like a purple Lamborghini and then the postseason game it was a Lamar Jackson and a picture of like a Toyota Corolla yeah a purple (laughs) Toyota or an old buggy or something it was funny and everyone's kind of giving him giving him uh grief like I said but he's still the first ever quarterback in NFL postseason to throw for over 300 and rush for over 100 so I mean that's you still gotta give respect where it's due pretty good club to be a part of at what twenty right. two? Oh, absolutely! I mean, just over three hundred yards through the air. I mean, twenty carries, one hundred and forty—I can't remember exactly—one hundred and forty-three yards. I think. I mean, just an absolute nightmare to scheme for defensively. <laughs> you can't. You got if you play for him to go. You play for him to run. He's going to pass. You play for him to pass. He's going to run. I think we talked about that last on the last episode. You can't counteract yeah. what he's going to do. It's no, just that really he can't. was off when he was throwing this weekend. He was just – the guys were dropping passes. Willie Sneed, I forgot about that him being there. Um, Willie Sneed was dropping passes. Marquise Brown was being a rookie in a big playoff game, and it just showed. They just got exposed. It really did, man, and you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of people have talked about what the uh, 
answer is to defend him. And, you know, a lot of people say if you have a good zone defense, uh, it would be ideal. And, you know, you, if you go man, you got to have a linebacker that's got outstanding speed and or pursuit angles because if you leave him in the middle of the field, it's kind of a spy to follow Lamar around. I mean, you let that guy get to the sideline, he's cooking you, and he's obviously proved he's got the moves up the field between the hashes as well with his – I mean, top 10 plays of the decade is whatever run that he broke for 50, 60 some yards in a spin move. And I mean, he's just, his athleticism is, is unreal. So uh, obviously uh, next for p- picks for the uh, champion AFC NFC championship games, we'll make on uh, Friday's episode, just cause I kind of want to see how this game plays out. I really, really, really don't want to count out Russell Wilson. I really don't. No, he's a guy that knows how to win, and him and Pete Carroll, obviously, have got a pretty good thing going. There's a lot of chemistry between those two, and, I mean, Russell Wilson's a gamer through and through. I mean, multi-sport athlete, you know, had a chance to play some baseball at the professional level. He's just a guy who really embraces his role of kind of leading people, you know, and I'm with you. I really would love to see him mount a comeback because – I don't it's want to see Green much Bay advance. I know. That's exactly where I was going with that, man. I, I do not want to see Green Bay go. Just really because don't. that's just more of the, uh, the stigma of the Bears, and I just I can't handle that right now with how the season ended for the Bears. I'm with you. I may, maybe a little bit of a biased opinion, but that's I'm okay. tired of seeing all these cheeseheads. That's why uh, it's named the Jay and Kale Show. It's going to be biased Absolutely. opinions. Um, speaking of biased opinions, how's this sound to you? Sole possession of second place in the Big Ten. Big time. Big time win. I, I you can't you can't discredit anything in that win other than you shot twenty percent from the floor. That's that's gotta change, but how much of that was the ball not falling and how much of that was a defensive a defensive game? It's a big time right. game. Exactly. I mean, I think they talked about it a little bit. There was a stat they threw up on BTN. I mean, Illinois was, I think, the first team this year or possibly in a longer stint to score less than 60 points, I think, and win a Big Ten game at home. I can't remember exactly what it was, but like you said, we shoot sub-30%. So, to me, you just got to give our defense credit for locking down and for an offensive performance that was not necessarily poor, but, you know, things weren't going our way to be able to really lock down on defense and uh, give ourselves a chance to come away with the win and ultimately protect that home court, man. That's huge in the Big Ten. I don't care who you're playing. you got to protect yeah. that home court. Yeah, you have to. And you got to win your home games. You have to win 12 games in the Big Ten to yep. basically get to the tournament. And right now the Illini are on pace to do so. And like I was talking to uh, Rob Pacey the other night, he had the call of the games yesterday from – from St. Joe, and he was telling, you know, I agree with him. Winning 12 games in the Big Ten is great, but don't lay a stinker if you make it to March in the first game, in the first round. That's exactly right. But And we really, honestly, today today was a big, big day, Big Ten-wise. I mean, there's – I mean, that, that conference is up for grabs, in essence, right now, after some of the games and sports we saw today. Yeah. How about Michigan State walking into Purdue and getting their butts whooped? That is something that would have never – I'd have put a million dollars on it. I don't have a million dollars, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I'd have put a million dollars on it that Michigan State would have went undefeated. Because they're the only I mean, team thus far that has just taken care of business anywhere they went until Purdue. And you can attest to it. I mean, you went to the Illini-Purdue game. I mean, 
the old uh, standing tradition at the Illini games, you don't you don't take a seat till the opposing team scores. I mean, you were on your feet for seven and a half minutes. Yep. And then the, you know a team like Michigan State comes to town and Purdue just looks. I mean, they like a completely walk. different team. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I couldn't believe what I watched this afternoon. It was crazy. The thing with Rutgers, it being twelve and three thus far. Is they have? I was looking on Ken Pomeroy's uh, Ken Palm ratings. They have the uh, easiest strength of schedule thus far up until this point. So they should be twelve and three. Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna play teams worse than we played. The Illini played to preseason. You should win twelve of them. Absolutely. I mean, losing Geo Baker I, for the Rutgers really hurts, though, because obviously they have Ron Harper Jr. For those of you that don't follow college, college basketball very much, that's uh, Ron Harper's son. He was pretty notable on the Bulls. Uh, but losing Geo Baker, they're losing almost fourteen points a game. Yeah, and that's big, especially in the Big Ten, like we talk about. I mean, offensive production is something that is hard to come by with as hard nosed and physical of a conference that is defensive wise. And I mean, as we saw it with the Illini. You know, only scoring 50-some points and getting a win at home. Any offensive production you can get is great, and any that you lose is a big loss as well. So so you a couple weeks ago, I think it was after the Purdue game, you sent me a text about uh, the potentially Illinois breaking the top 25. And I think I told you it depended on how, it depended on how the Wisconsin game and how the Rutger game went. Um, I'm seeing stuff now where I'm seeing Illinois from number 20 to number 25. Yeah, because we were, what, our RPI at that point, you said, was like mid-30s, right? Yes, uh, RPI net ranking was uh, 37, but I think they've moved up higher. I'll, uh, it won't be out till updated officially till Monday, so um, obviously that's the day after we record. So Tuesday, or Thursday night when we record for Friday, I'll have the full updated stats, and obviously the AP poll will be released on Tuesday. So that's the one that matters. We can see projections of where they should be, um, all week long, it's all going to matter what the AP says and how many votes they get. Right, exactly. And, you know, even games like today that we saw, you know, a team like Michigan State going down, you know, there's been some movement in the how top many, 25 as How well. many votes will Purdue get to, for that, for that win alone? That right, exactly. So, so Purdue votes. takes down number eight, Michigan State. Minnesota takes down number 19, Michigan today as well. I mean, that's two teams in the Big Ten. That are ranked, obviously, top 20, as we just talked about. And, I mean, Illinois being right there on the bubble, I mean, I can't see how we don't get it. I don't Something. S- yeah, I don't see how they're not at least 25 at the at the lowest. At the highest would be 20. Uh, right, I exactly. See, I don't see how they're not number 25. I mean, that's two great wins back-to-back. And only that, two wins where they had to absolutely grind them out to get them and show everybody what they're worth. Because, right, man, there, exactly. was some, there mean, was some plays in that Rutgers game where I was thinking, oh, no, here it goes. We're going to lose on our home floor after playing a great game against Wisconsin. Yeah, and that kind of made me nervous, you know, getting a big win like that up in the Kohl Center. I, I was nervous that we wouldn't necessarily lay down, but in an essence kind of take a breath, you know, yeah. like a weight lifted off the shoulders and – and uh, maybe lay an egg. I was very hopeful that we, we didn't and glad that we didn't, but – it did make me nervous, I will say that. Hoping, uh, I'm hoping that um, this will this will happen. Um, Saturday, we have a week off, get some guys healthy. Trent got pretty banged up. Oh, what a lick. 
Yeah, I know. Did you see that? I was yeah. just watching that too. What a, he just got, was that Lockett? It was. I mean, I'm thinking potential targeting maybe here. No? Well, it was pre-snap motion on the, who was it? Packers, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. But man, that hit. I'm all off track now. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you could go either way on that. Is it because he turned into him at the right time? But who knows? That's true. Um. Anyway, guess what we got Saturday afternoon in terms of Illini basketball. What do we get? <clears throat> Northwestern, the Wildcats coming to Champaign. Chicago's Big Ten team. Oh. I'm telling you, man, that's the same kind of thing we talked about, you know, before we watched that game when we uh, recorded last, last week. They, you know, walked into Indiana and played Indiana tough, and I know Indiana's not great, but. Anybody that's going to go into Bloomington, in Indiana, and give Indiana a run for their money, I don't care if they're having a down year or not, it's still Indiana. That's what I'm saying, and and that just goes to show you. I know uh, everyone's kind of heard us say it a bunch, and we sound like a broken record, but. The balance of the Big Ten and the potential that you have to get beat on any given night is, you know, by far the most, uh, what I want to say, the best depth conference-wise in the nation right now for basketball, in my opinion. Yeah, that Saturday, you just once again, you know, you got to win. Am I saying that the Illini are going to go perfect in Big Ten play? No, absolutely not, because they're going to lose to somebody that they shouldn't i.e. Northwestern, that's a very possible – that's a possibility. Um, they right. could lose to Indiana. They could lose to Iowa. Iowa's still good, even though they're trailing in the bottom half of the Big Ten. But we got to play them twice, one here, one there. You got to play Michigan again up in Ann Arbor. You got to play Michigan State down here. So, you know, there's still a lot of games left, but they can really prove their worth here, you know, especially with – what is it, mid-January, come late February when they got those last three games, hopefully it's not games where we got to play to make it into the tournament. Absolutely. Hopefully we can prove Lenardi wrong, kind of laugh in his face since he's got us one of the first four out right yeah, now. That I can't believe that. Joe Lenardi. I'm, uh, I'm going to hold my tongue as much as I can, but that, oh, guy that's is, crazy. that guy is more wrong than he's right More time, nine times out of ten. Uh, having Illinois not even on the bubble and having OK State as a bubble team, at this point, blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. I've watched two OK State games this year. They're not OK. They're bad. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, Georgetown being in there, like we were talking, um, what was that? I think it was Saturday on the on the show, on the sidelines. Um, Georgetown has no business being in there, being on the last four in. Um I don't know. Joe Lenardi and I just don't get along. I'm sure he irritates a lot of fan bases as he's going to, you know, he's got a pretty tough job. I'll say that. I'll give credit where credit's due. Like you were saying the other day, I'll use that phrase. <clears throat> he's got a tough job. He's going to irritate a fan base somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm eager to see how this nine o'clock game tonight goes top 25 ranking wise for the Illini. You know, you got number 24, Arizona going up against Oregon state, both uh, coming in at 11 and four. I mean, with the number 18 losing, the number 19 team losing, and then possibly another 25, top 25 team, you know, playing a, a team that's very similar, you know, both 11 and 4, like I said. The line's at 4. Oh. You know, at Arizona minus 4. So, well, that's, because I mean, that's another possible movement. Right. 
you know, that uh, could could fall in the Illini's favor depending on how that goes. But how would you like to be? How would you out. like to be Rutgers right now after that loss to Illinois on the road? And not only that, I mean, they Rutgers played really well. I'll give them that. They played Illinois tough, and the Rutgers I saw on CBS. I'd been checking all of the rankings just to see where they're going to fall and if they're going to be ranked before I came on here and talked about it. And I'd be dead wrong for now twenty five and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> but um, Rutgers is ranked almost everywhere, number twenty six. Man, that's just a kick in the teeth, ain't it? <laughs> I mean, that really is. That's crazy. But. Um, you just know, like you were saying, and like we've been preaching, you got to take care of business. Brad Underwood is now, and everybody's just buying into Brad Underwood, which is good to see. You got guys with confidence, you're going to win games. Absolutely. And uh, it's kind of good to see a guy like that have some success. You know, everybody was kind of, not necessarily everybody, I should, I should rephrase that. There was a decent percentage of people that were kind of rubbed the wrong way by his coaching style. It's kind of old fashioned a little bit. He likes to get after kids and, and uh, everybody is kind of concerned about that nowadays with, uh, you know, I don't want to offend people, but I feel like uh, it's, everyone's getting a little softer, you know. Yeah. Well, and, we can't yell at this kid, and we can't do this, and we can't do that. And, you, you know, I'm really happy to see his coaching style really pay off. And, and you can see it in the way that these kids are playing right now. I mean, the amount of intensity, everyone's flying around defensively. We've talked about it multiple times. I mean, we got one of the best – defensive efficiencies in the Big Ten and if not the country. Yep. I mean that speaks for itself in my eyes. The um it's just gonna be fun to watch the rest of the season. Uh we'll probably have a little more I'll have a little more breakdown for both of us of both teams on Thursday or Friday's episode. I keep saying Thursday because that's when we sit down to, together. But uh Friday's episode I'll have a little better of a breakdown and a little bit of a a uh, better view and better once I can watch the uh, film a little bit thus far in Northwestern because I haven't watched one single Northwestern game, although I have been watching a lot of uh, Big Ten basketball, but school starts Monday, and I'm not real excited about that, so that's going to kind of hinder some things. I've got my Back to the grind, huh? Yeah, back to the real world, and I'm not real excited <laughs> about it. But yeah, no. Home um, stretch for you, though, right? Yeah, this is, this is it for me. This is uh, make or break. Be able to don't uh, blink, man. May's gonna be here before you know it. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I understand. You know, I've, it's been fun. You know, like you've been through it. It's been a fun experience. Can't wait to be done though. At the same time, but at the same time, it's a uh, bittersweet. Move on to the next chapter. Finally, but um, yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, one thing I saw. I'm gonna kind of be a short episode here because uh, potentially we might have another guest on the first one of the day. Uh, Tristan Kissick of the Champagne Room might be joining us here shortly. Um, obviously, you're uh, at a friend's house, so and we're watching football. Can't beat that. Thursday's episode will be back to normal. Uh, Friday, I did it again, Jay. You're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get us something figured out. But uh, I just want to get your thoughts and opinions on some baseball stuff real quick. Uh, I saw today that Nolan Arenado is having preliminary talks with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, the, the old dirty birds down there in the slough are starting to amp up trade talks with Nolan Arenado, which is uh, big time. Good. I mean, we've been looking for a, a steady day-to-day third baseman for a while. Not that our guys haven't produced well, you know, and Matt Carpenter and Tommy Edmond play a little bit there. And, and those guys' productions obviously uh, spoke for itself uh, offensively and defensively as well. But, I mean, to have an all-star play third base, I mean, that's obviously ideal. You get a guy like Goldschmidt and Arenado in the same lineup kind of protecting each other. 
Yeah, I was going to uh, definitely, definitely an exciting thing. So. I was going to ask you about that. That Gold Goldschmidt and then Arenado lineup that should be good enough to win eighty games a year, shouldn't it? I would think, and and everyone's kind of concerned because both uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt have kind of developed this a resume of kind of starting slow. They're like, eh, hey, Arenado only hits two seventy or two eighty, and and Goldschmidt's around the same numbers. And I'm like, yeah, but batting average and all what it's cracked up to be in my eyes. It's more about RBIs and runs scored. And if you look at guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt, I mean, upwards of 85, 90, 95 RBIs a year. I mean, I don't care if you hit 260. If you're driving in 100 runs, you're in my lineup. <laughs> was, and and still, like you're saying, runs produced, RBIs, runs batted in, is, a, is one of the stats that's gone by the wayside. Now everybody's looking at launch angles, velocities, how many bombs you hit in a year. Don't uh, people get it misconstrued? Arenado and Goldschmidt can both still hit nukes. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. You know, launch angle, all this stuff. I mean, it's uh, it's hard. You know, for guys like you and me, and I'm sure a lot of other people that are tuning in to hold baseball so near and dear to our heart. But you know, sometimes I forget that it's a business at the same time, and that old launch angle and uh, putting balls up in the seats—that's uh, that's what sells tickets. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and look at the steroid era with Sosa and McGuire. How many tickets? Did they, how many? How many tickets did they sell with the Cubs and Cardinals, and not to, not when they played each other, but singly? Right, exactly. I mean, obviously, the home run race for the ages between McGuire and Sosa. I mean, that had to be one of the most popular. Uh, three, four-year stretches in probably 40 years baseball-wise, other than, you know, guys like Hank Aaron breaking a record and Barry Bonds breaking a record. Right. I'd, put that, uh, I'd put that home run race up there with just about anything. Yeah, steroids or not, it was still fun. <laughs> and, you know, this is going to raise some more eyebrows, and I'll probably uh, catch some guff for this, but I understand steroids is a very, very unfair advantage, and I do not condone cheating, but... I don't care what anybody says. You can inject all the HGH into your veins you want. You still got to have a pure swing. You still got to hit the dirtiest, nastiest pitching in the you know in the world. Essentially, right. you got sliders and curveballs that are breaking eight to twelve inches, and you got ninety-five plus mile an hour fastballs. I mean, you still got to put the barrel on the ball, right? And, and I think Barry Bonds had one of the purest swings ever. I mean, you, you know go and look at slow-mo videos of that guy. I mean, that man could fall out of bed and hit. Preston Smith just went down for the Packers. That's going to be a huge loss if he can't come back. I just saw that. That's, that's yeah. But, you know, you're talking about uh, juice and HGH, human growth hormone. Um, look at – there's one name that strictly comes to mind right off the bat, and it's the guy who started it all, Jose Consenco. That guy mm -hmm. was terrible, even with this HGH. There's right. a reason why Tommy Lasorda cut him from L.A. He's too, too, well, I'm going to use Tommy Lasorda's words, because if you look at me, you'll take one word and say, why is this guy saying this? But he's too fat and he's too slow. Even with yeah, the HGH, it didn't help it's, him. Right, exactly. And some people have benefited and some it didn't. And it's just kind of funny to me to look back on that era and uh, you know think – or wonder, I should say, rather, what was going through guys' heads when they're looking in the mirror and they're significantly 
I mean, significantly noticeably bigger than what they were a year or two prior. Like when your hat size grows two or three sizes, (laughs) there's something wrong. (laughs) That's natural. My head does that on her every year. With my yeah, inflated I mean, it's a little different than, uh, you know, cutting your hair or whatever. When you're going from a, a seven hat size and you're jumping two or three sizes, I mean, come on. To a nine and three quarter? Yeah, like, well, yeah, let's go. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, uh, this Seahawks are going to all give it to, that's a perfect guy to give it to. Look at that, touchdown. I'm telling you what. We got a here we are here. talking about it being tough to win at Lambeau, and uh, what, what what you were just alluding to it. I mean, Russell Wilson, dude knows how to win. How about beast mode? What's your opinion? I know, isn't that pretty cool how they give him a chance to come back and they and they uh, let him run the ball? And it, I mean, he's still obviously not the same guy he was picking it up, putting it down acceleration wise. But I'll tell you what, I'd put him up there with any third down back in the league right now as far as just trucking, keeping his feet moving, and falling forward. I mean, He's just here so he don't get fined. That's exactly right. He's uh, making the most of it. 28-23. Oh, they're going for two. You got to, though, don't you? Yeah. Might just want to kind of make it that one possession game. What uh, is there, nine minutes left? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If Aaron doesn't get it rolling here, we could see a possible oh. other bust. Did you see that? I did. <laughs> Are you watching on a streaming service? No, I'm, I think I'm a little. Uh, I think I'm a little behind too. We uh, had some stoppage here, you know. We kind of been replaying some stuff. Oh, okay. Rewinding, fast forwarding. We we're kind of saving the fast forward stuff for the commercial, so we'd catch back up. So I might be a little behind you. Okay. Wow, that's a first. First time I've ever. I want it to be known. What day is it? It is January twelfth, twenty twenty. That I am officially ahead of somebody. On a on a game, I want that to be on the record. Old Tivo's getting us. Old you know, Tivo. it's kind of a, n- a nice thing to have to rewind and kind of look at plays and slow mo and stuff, and then you kind of forget about it and you read some tweets and you're like, "What? That hasn't happened yet." Oh yeah, that's right. I'm six minutes behind. That makes sense. Let's see. What else was there? Something else I was going to ask you about too before we got out of here for the day. Oh man, Joe Buck. That's aggravating. Oh, man, you're telling me. You know, it's just not from the World Series either. It's from everything. <laughs> everything he calls. It really is. I mean, uh, good God, his old man was way better. Yeah, uh, Jack Buck and Jack Brickhouse, along with Vince Scully. And, uh, man, I'm blanking on his name. Major League. I mean, those those three right there, I Bob mean, Uker. legends in the booth. Bob Uecker. Old Milwaukee. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Milwaukee yep. Brewer broadcaster. Those four guys, I think, kind of paved the way for for where where we're at now for broadcasting. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I remember what I was going to ask you. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Jose Martinez trade. I'll tell you what, it's a it's a tough loss for me. I really liked him. He was uh, just an unfortunate kind of uh, liability is not the right word, but he didn't really fit the National League scene. You know what I mean? Kind yes. of a defensive liability. He played his heart out and he really tried, but just a guy that doesn't really have a position, but, I mean, he can absolutely stroke the ball. I mean, that man can hit. His numbers against left-handed pitching is absolutely unreal, and I really think him going over there to, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the AL East, 
with the Rays. I mean, I really think that's a guy who's going to have a pretty good career in the American League. I really hope he does anyway, because I hated to see him go. I mean, just the type of guy who brings energy to the game at the same time as being a good player. He's a good teammate. He's up in the dugout. You see all these funny videos about him. And uh, just a guy you really like to have on your team and don't like to play against. And then I'll tell you what, you know, for the cross, for the interleague play, I'm really not looking forward to having to face him. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, Jose Martinez deal reminds me of the Nick Castellanos and the Cubs. It's amazing. It's amazing how eerily similar the Cubs and the Cardinals are right now when it comes to roster standpoints. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, kind of got an older pitching staff with. Some young talent on there, and Rogers looks like he's hurt. But so I saw him limping around. That's gonna be just another storyline, man. Come on, when's it gonna stop? I know, right? I don't know if you. I'm sure you saw the play. I think it was earlier in the fourth, maybe late third. No, I'm sorry. It was right before halftime when uh, Russell Wilson kind of threw the Hail Mary up there into the the middle of the end zone. They opted not to run a play and kick a field goal. Yeah. Um, Wilson kind of threw it up, and after the throw, he gets absolutely decked. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, if that's Aaron Rodgers, there is a flag from every official on the field, there's, no doubt in my mind. There's so much dirty laundry on the field after a hit like that, if it's Brady or Rodgers. I know, and I fun. don't understand the difference. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a kind of, I mean, he's defenseless, and I mean, that's absolute. he got absolutely planted, and nobody batted their eyes twice about it. And if Rodgers starts limping, the cameras are on him for the next 40 seconds. How about the next four years? Yeah, that too. I, I think this is going to be the Packers demo the rest of the game, though. Don't you give the ball to Aaron Jones? Just let him run? I really do. That's not good. I don't like that at big, all. Big, big first down there. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else that I, we need to get out of the way now? Say Mr. Kissick's coming on tonight. Well, he was supposed to. Um, he is at work. Um, he, I believe he still works uh, here in town. I think he works at, uh, I can't remember where, but uh, he wor- still works. He runs the uh, champagne room, so he's got a lot on his plate as well. I mean, he runs out. He runs all that by himself, coordinates everything. There's going to be a flag there on that, too. Coordinates everything and uh, still goes to class full-time. I'll tell you what, man. That's a guy who's got some big-time sports knowledge. And for those of you that get to tune in and listen to him talk about whatever you guys decide, I strongly encourage you to do it because he's pretty good, at, pretty darn good at what he does. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, I, I follow the Champagne Room and I read up on that stuff. Actually, it's kind of funny. My little brother, Cole, is really good friends with Tristan. They uh, hang out quite a bit. Oh, really? Here over the, here over the break, him and... My little brother and uh, his friend group, you know, Luis Rodriguez, Andrew Center, uh, Stefano Rodriguez, those guys, they all kind of get down that way. And and uh, i kind of been following Tristan more and more. And that man, man's really good and knows his stuff. There's few people, obviously Jeremy Warner, he's like the guy when it comes to Illini recruiting. Him and Derek Piper do phenomenal work at the Illini Inquirer. But uh, Tristan, man, that guy's going places. <laughs> if- mm-hmm. Uh, he's, and I'm talking like nationally, but ESPN's his probably next is that de- next destination. Yeah. I mean, he's got a pretty impressive ceiling, you know, he can take this thing places if he wants to for sure. So I'm excited to, I'm excited to get to listen to what he has to say here in the upcoming days. 
if we can't get him on today, if not, um, I can always just put out another episode, a little bonus one. More episodes, the better, right? Absolutely. Publicity, publicity, publicity. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much going to do it for today. We'll figure out. We get him on here the next 30 minutes. I'll talk with him for a little while. If not, I'll talk to him this week. And if not, we did that. We might be able to get him to join us, both of us, on uh on thursday night so that's kind of nice about skype because you can do that three-way three-way calling there that's you can have up to like five or six people in it so the yeah, benefits it's good of technology but uh yeah that's gonna do it for us now i think jay will watch the rest six minutes here and and i'll talk to you thursday sounds like a plan go seahawks <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right 